Welcome to the How and the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, and artists that make up and inspire the Black Hill Press family. Black Hill Press is dedicated to the novella. We believe a great story is never defined by its length. Let's get creative. I'm John Barrett Ingalls, and today we are connected with Kate Lorenz. Uh, see, <laughs> I told you I was going to do it, I did it. Uh, <laughs> Kate is the editor of Parcel Magazine. Kate, thank you for joining us. Thanks, John Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Now, that's going to be a little joke that none of our listeners are going to get, because I'm going to edit the actual joke out. We're just going to have our little laugh. I love it. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about Parcel Magazine. Parcel has been around, um, let's see, almost five years. Um, and I think we, we come out twice a year. I know we come out twice a year. Um, <laughs> and I think what is probably most notable about Parcel is that we come out of an independent bookstore in Lawrence, Kansas. So um, we're not supported by a university or, a, or a, an arts organization. Um, we're actually supported by an independent um, bookseller. And we, like I said, we come out twice a year. We publish fiction, poetry, nonfiction, and art. Um, and then we also publish or print, um, have an artist print, a limited edition postcard or broadside or bookmark for every issue as well. So that comes in the mail for subscribers along with the issue. Well, how did the whole thing get started? How did the connection with the and what's the name of the book? It's Raven Bookstore, is that it's correct? It's the Raven Bookstore. Yes, I should point out the Raven Bookstore um, in Lawrence, which is an awesome local bookstore, and it's sometimes featured on the you know best independent bookstores in the country lists and travel blogs and things like that. How did the whole uh, relationship start? Um, I was, I'm was i from Lawrence originally, but I did my MFA at the University of Alabama, um, and that's where I got involved with Black Warrior Review, um, Alabama's literary magazine, which is really, really awesome, um, a really long-running, good-quality um, graduate-run journal. And so I ended up being the managing editor and then the editor of Black Warrior Review, and I kind of fell in love with the process of um, working with other writers on their work. Um, I really liked the, uh, the editing process, and so um, then I ended up moving back to Lawrence uh, after grad school, and uh, um, Heidi Rock, who is the owner of The Raven, had been wanting to start a journal that the bookstore could support. Um, there was one project that was kind of in the works, um, but it didn't pan out um, in terms of a long-term project, and I had offered to volunteer for that. 
And so when that kind of fell through, I got what I referred to as my sort of Christmas morning email from Heidi, which was, um, would you like to start a journal? You can do whatever you want and the store will support it. Um, So that is the long and short of how Parcel got started. And then Heidi and I have become good friends and great collaborators and everything sort of grew organically from there. So take us back to your your first issue. So you, you you decide you and Heidi are going to publish this journal. Uh, how, how did you go about finding um, contributors and artists for that first issue sure, without having me. a name or you know anything press behind it? Exactly. Well, we called in a lot of favors. Um, uh, it was always my goal to have mostly unsolicited co- content for Parcel, um, you know, just things we find through Submittable, um, which is our submission manager. But for the first issue, I, we definitely did a lot of um, soliciting from writers that we – solicitation from writers that we um, that we admire. So a few of my Alabama connections, and then I had relationships with some really great writers – out of Black Warrior Review, so called a few of those people in. Um, and then we did open up submissions, I think, for about four months before the first issue came out, and we um, we did get some things online, which was great. Um, but, yeah, we, we, mostly, we mostly called in some favorites for the first issue, and people were very, very supportive, and I was thrilled about that. And then for the art, um, our designer, sort of the third member of Parcel, Justin Runge, um, he's a poet and a designer, um, he ended up finding the art uh, online. It was just an artist that he had seen on a blog and really liked. And um, so we ended up looking at our work together all kind of falling in love with it and thinking it was just the right feel for what we wanted to do. Um, And then we ended up finding out that she had actually gone to school at the University of Kansas, which is in Lawrence, where we are. So that was a great connection. And we were kind of happy that it happened that way for the art for the first issue. And her name is Jacqueline Mednikov. Her art's awesome. Now, you're not uh, necessarily affiliated with the University of Kansas, but do you find, like, uh, you reach out to them as far as finding some more uh, local talents or, uh, I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't even know. Yes, no, that's a great question. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's not a very big town and it's a very artsy town. And so there's a lot of, um, a lot of, kind of unity and and coordination in the lit community. Um, so KU has an awesome journal that was forming at about the same time. Um, they have Cottonwood, which is their established journal, and then a student-run journal called Beecher's, um, and Beecher's is really awesome, too. Um, so that was great. It was kind of fun to be forming sort of an independent lit mag at the same time as a lot of my friends in the writing program at KU were forming Beecher's and just sort of seeing the contrasts and the pros and cons of each, um, and that lit mag is awesome. And so, but yes, we do we do have contact with writers at KU, and we usually do try and publish writers from the Lawrence and Kansas City region, or KU graduates, or people with ties to the area in each issue as well. So let's talk a little bit about your submission process. What exactly do you look for um, in in your prose and your nonfiction and and in your poetry? We don't have a specific aesthetic um, 
aesthetic sort of uh, um, limitation or requirement. Um, so we try and publish. Our goal is sort of in our in our content to be um, a good representation of the sort of everything that's coming out in the lit scene currently. Um, and I think that was that was sort of the vibe at Black Warrior Review, though it kind of got a reputation for being more experimental because the Alabama program features a lot of experimental writers. And um, and if a journal is open to publishing experimental work, I think people send a lot that way. Um, but I just, I really like the, I really like kind of just picking up a journal and getting a good sense of, um, of sort of what's being written and sent out. And I also like the kind of something for everyone approach. Um, there are journals that I love with a more narrowly defined aesthetic, and I think that that's great and really cool as well. Um, but we sort of we sort of hope that no matter what your tastes are, you'll be able to find something in parcel um, that you like. Um, but that said, I think you know you can't help but have some sort of personal aesthetic tastes um, come into a project. So um, I read the prose and. Uh, Justin reads the poetry, um, and I think in general, um, Parcel's content tends to, um, we do publish some experimental, more experimental work, um, especially formally. I would say probably the nonfiction is the biggest example of that. Um, we tend to steer clear of more of a personal essay um, type of work in favor of a lyric essay or something that's doing something formally innovative. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that even with the more traditionally formatted writing that we publish, um, it has to have something to kind of make it stand out. So either a twist or um, sort of a defied expectation or even just extremely beautiful or special language. Um, so, you know, we kind of just, there are a lot of different things that can stand out to us in the reading process, which I know is sometimes not that helpful in guiding submissions, um, but uh, it's an honest answer to uh, what kind of work we publish. So what do you think the um, percentage of uh, uh, publication, or being, uh, piece of, uh, pieces being published uh, to pieces that were submitted? In terms of writing that we solicit, maybe, or writing that's just submitted? No, yeah, well, things that are submitted. Oh, like, well, our submission rate. Yeah. The kind of acceptance rate. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I'm you said it way sure better than our... I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, actually, of our precise acceptance um, ratio. I think we, so we, I, I think we get about maybe 100 submissions a month. And 50 to 100, and we publish about 20 submissions in each issue. Um, mm. So I'm trying to do the math quickly. So it, you don't have to do the math. Don't worry about that. <laughs> by 40. I'm sure. I'm um, sure my so, listeners have a calculator at their hand, and they can do it. <laughs> exactly. I would say better than a lot of journals because we're still sort of small and getting established, um, but uh, but still selective, especially because. I think everyone gets a ton of submissions now, now that it's pretty easy to do so online and we don't charge a fee and we read gear around. So we do get a fair amount of submissions as well. Now, in, in the reading process, so like you said, you do all the reading for uh, the prose and then, uh, excuse me, and then uh, uh, Justin does all the reading for the poetry. So as you're yeah. reading through these pieces, are there pieces that you're like, wow, 
I like this, but you know what? We already have enough for, we've already have our quota, I guess, for this uh-huh. issue. We're going to hold it over for the next one or other pieces that you save for a, a later time or do you just have the uh, people submit again? Yeah, we, so we, I should say that Justin reads the poetry, I read the prose, and then we all meet together to talk about sort of um, a, a rush packet um, or just a selection before before the work is accepted. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we try and bring sort of to those meetings a, a broad range of work. Um, we do somewhat take into account having a balanced um, issue and not having work that's too similar. We haven't ended up having to hold a piece um, for future issues, but we do often encourage writers to submit again if if their work didn't make it, but we talked about it in the meeting. Um, and that's actually one of the most satisfying parts of being an editor, I think, is when a writer who's, who has submitted before, who came close, sends another great piece um, and makes it in. So that happens. That happens, I'd say, quite a bit. Um, I think that answers the mm-hmm. question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have people like, uh, I guess, like you you said that you keep on a, a short list that you know they're writing good, not quite what you're looking for, but you know um, you keep an eye out for them when they submit again. Or yeah, absolutely, we do keep an eye out for um, for writers that we send good rejections to. So it's not just a it's not just another sort of forum thing, um, and I think. Also, as much as we can, we try to give specific feedback, especially if a piece makes it to a meeting and we have a good discussion about it. Um, I always think that's helpful, you know, as a writer myself who's done a lot of submissions over her short lifetime. um, Mm -hmm. I always think it's helpful to get specific feedback because if you get a good rejection that says, we would like to see more of your work and you have no idea what they liked about your work or what didn't work for the for the magazine it it can be kind of uh you can get a block to ever wanting to send again um because you don't want to send something that that's full of things that they didn't like before so i think that helps as well if the writers can have a sense of um of what we what maybe kind of blocked it blocked us from taking a piece for a previous issue does the same ring true for uh, artists as well? Like you'll get submissions that might not work for this issue, but you like their work and you uh, hold it over for maybe something else down the line? You know, we do keep that in mind. Um, we actually, I think um, the art, we don't get that many art submissions, and I think probably part of it is just the channels and getting the word out. So I think all of the art that we've published in our eight issues um, has been art that we've solicited. Hmm. Um, but we do get really good submissions um, online, and uh, and so I have encouraged people to send more art. And so I'm hoping that, that, one of, that one of those things will pan out. And we'd also love to publish um, something that we're, we're, we've looked into from time to time and we're going to keep looking into is publishing like a comic or a graphic piece um, maybe not as a, the cover art or the art insert, but um, incorporating some more um, image-driven work into the text. So we keep an eye out for those things as well. Um, so you, I mean, being published by the Raven Bookstore, you already have a, a brick-and-mortar place where your, your journal is uh, sold. Do you have other bookstores that uh, you're, you've reached out to and been able to get the uh, the, the journal in? 
Yeah, we uh, that's that's a good question, and that's actually something that's on our list of things to do in the immediate future. Um, there are some great um, bookstores and also art galleries that sell beans. Um, Wonder Fair in Lawrence is awesome. There are a lot of great places in Kansas City too, and so that's sort of one of our one of the things we still need to do now that we're kind of established and our organization is in place. Um, but we also are three people who have um, full time jobs <laughs> in addition right. to parcel. So some of those uh, some of those um, outreach and marketing efforts, I'm afraid, tend to get pushed to the back burner um, while we're just getting the the new issues out. Um, but we sell them online, um, and yeah, that's actually that's something that we're especially in the Lawrence and Kansas City area looking to move into in the near future. And what do you do? How do you go about publicizing your work if uh, uh, outside of Lawrence and uh, outside of Kansas? How do you get the word out there? Well, things like this are great. <laughs> things like this are <laughs> um, And we try and maintain a pretty active Facebook and Twitter presence. Um, we post pretty regular updates on our website and have just actually made some web content available um, primarily to be sample content for people interested in submitting. And so online is our number one way just because it tends to be the easiest um, and most time and cost effective way. And we also from time to time will reach out to MFA programs and other journals um, to kind of, you know, send emails and and announcements and things. Uh, and then we try to go to AWP every year. We have been every year that we've been, um, that we've had a magazine to take. And so that's also, that's a great way to, I think, to introduce yourself as a relatively new journal and to get the word out. Um, I noticed on your page you do have uh, excerpts or, or certain pieces that are available to read online. Um, yes. How was how are those pieces chosen to be the uh the uh I guess the free uh taste or the example of what your magazine is? Yeah, well we we chose them first and foremost because we absolutely love them. <laughs> They're some of our joint favorite uh pieces that we've published over the years. Um but then also we tried to choose pieces that gave a good uh, cross-section um, over time and over a variety of sort of types of pieces um, that we've published. So we've got some more traditionally formal poems, um, a prose poem. We've got fiction that's more um, more straightforward um, in terms of the narrative and then fiction that's kind of wild and the same with nonfiction. Um, so, yeah, it's a combination of just pieces that we love uh, um, that we just have a kind of emotional attachment to, and then also um, also that we thought would be the most helpful to writers if they think, okay, my piece is nothing like this, then we want to maybe have another piece that they might be able to relate to. Is there a pressure that you feel to have more of an uh, online presence with the journal of like maybe even having an online version? Yes, um, I think that's something that I'm, that's something that definitely comes up. Um, when Heidi and I started Parcel, though, we are both. I mean, we both support online journals and read a ton online. Um, but we are both kind of print people mm -hmm. in the sense that we love. Obviously, Heidi was a bookstore, and me having worked on Black Warrior, we loved having that physical object 
kind of look through. And so um, we then we thought, well, if we're going to do a print journal in this day and age when when you can do so much really cool stuff with online journals, we really need to sort of justify having the printed object. And Justin, I knew, was an excellent designer, and that helped kind of knowing that Parcel was going to be a beautiful, really well-taken-care-of printed object, and mm. also with the art and also with the um, the printed piece that comes with the issue. Um, so we kind of doubled down on print, to be honest, um, and didn't have any any content online for a long time. Um, but then I think it ended up being helpful, and it was time to expand a little bit with the sample content. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. At this point, we don't have any um, – though we maintain an online presence, we don't have any um, – plans to do any sort of an online component, though that may certainly change in the future. And I think we can, I think we could reconcile um, having a dedication to print, but also offering things online, um, especially as more work tends to get published that way. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. I feel like, you know, newspapers, magazines, and even well-known literary journals are, are kind of feeling forced to do that because <laughs> the print version is, is not selling as much, you know, and you still want to get your readers. You still want to get the, uh, the artists and the, the authors and the poets out there. Um, but, uh, you know, how do you, how do you grow your audience in a world that is maybe not reading as much? Uh huh. Oh, absolutely. And even as a writer, often if I um, if I meet people or I'm talking to people I haven't seen for a while, what they say is not like, "Where can I buy your work?" <laughs> it's "Where can I read your work online?" or "Can you send me a link to your work?" So I think even you know to to assist writers, um, it's it's helpful at this point to be able to point to some online publications. So do you think maybe in future issues you might just have a couple more samples as like a uh... A stepping stone into that world, or, or are yeah, you pretty happy with how it's going? I think it we're happy for now. Um, I think, uh, yeah, we're happy for now. I don't. I'm not sure um, that we've seen an online journal that is a like a really great model for what we would maybe want to do. Which I'm not even sure what that is. So I think right. we'll we'll continue with print and let other people <laughs> do the hard work of figuring out, you know, how to. Um, how to fund an online journal? What the what the correct you know what the what the best subscription rates are, or if you have to offer free content to really get your name out there. Um, so we'll we'll let other journals continue to puzzle that out and happily read them <laughs> while we do a few more print issues. I think. Now let's talk a little bit about you as a writer. Has has your writing kind of uh, slowed down? since you've taken over this role, are you still finding time to work on your own projects? Right. That's a good question. Um, I kind of think that for most things, the time itself is not the main barrier. It's the mental energy, I Mm -hmm. find. Um, So like I said, I do. I work as a grant writer during the day, during the daylight hours, um, and then come home and do parcels. So I think my writing has been, um, has been, Pushed to the back, maybe to one more back burner um, than it than it was. Um, but at the same time, I think that reading and working with other people's writing also is kind of motivating and inspiring, um, and can kind of be a jumping off place. Um, I've always been the kind of writer. 
I haven't been an everyday writer, um, which I somewhat lament because I think that's really great for a lot of people. Um, but I kind of roll things around in my head for a long time and then just sit down and bang out the whole draft. Mm. Um, so I think with that style of working, my output hasn't necessarily decreased so much more than compared to maybe grad school or when I had more time to write. Um, but that said, I I would always like more time and energy to be able to write more and to be able to read more because I do spend a lot of my reading time um, reading parcel submissions, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, but uh, but sometimes I need to take breaks and, you know, catch up on, on what's coming out. Oh, yeah. I mean, most of my time is spent reading for these blogs, which is great. Exactly. I've read more this year than I've read in a long time, but uh, I don't want to say that I'm not reading the things that I choose to read. I'm reading the thing, you know, it's more like, oh, this is part of my job, and it's great, and I love it, and I've I've discovered a lot of great authors through it. But uh, Yes, absolutely, absolutely, but it's nice to get a little bit of a a balance in and give yourself some breaks. I imagine that it's inspiring seeing, you know, younger people trying to get published for the first time, and, uh, you know, reading these pieces, maybe from unknown authors who are really talented and like, ooh, I like the way they tell stories. And it uh, makes me think about my story a little differently or how, you know, I'm going to write this thing. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's awesome. I think, yeah, aside from um, getting work from people who have submitted before um, and have almost made it um, publishing first-time writer for, – being the first publication for a writer is is really really exciting, and actually, um, probably our our story that was the most um, the most well received was a story by a writer named Jill Shetman, who's just amazing, and um, her story called Our Country was um, was blogged about and on. I think it was the um, I think it was Redivider's blog mm. of or. No, I'm trying to think. Not Redivider. It might have been Plowshares. I think Plowshares does blog about the best thing I read this week. Um, so her story was featured on there, and she was the first time. That was the first time a first publication for her. Um, so yeah, we absolutely love that. Um, oh, and, and that's also, great. I, great publicity for you as well. It is. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> that certainly doesn't hurt. But that was especially great because it was a story that we all kind of couldn't believe. We read at the meeting and discussed and our jaws kind of dropped at uh, mm. just how wonderful. And that story is a more traditional narrative as well. That's just so well done. Um, so I think that's a that's another point in its favor. Um, and I also find that we get we get some visions. Um, with some frequency from high school students as well, saying, um, you know, this is for a class or I'm just getting into writing and maybe you want to do this in college. And so I always try and write um, write a note of encouragement. Um, they, no one's cracked the journal yet, um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, but Not I always yet. try and write a note of encouragement because I think that's just really cool to be, to be putting your work out there um, at such an early age. Well, Kate, I want to thank you for your time and for for talking about all of the great things that you're doing over at Parcel. Of course. It was really fun. Yeah, it was. Um, And uh, (laughs) I wish you all the best of luck with everything that's to come for you. Thank you, and you as well. This has been The How and the Why by Black Hill Press. I'm John Barrett-Ingalls. 
The show was produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly. The music is Mea Lua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.